want to reach the people that no one else is reaching. We're always going to be that weird, loud church that welcomes in people that others may feel like shouldn't be welcome. But I'm going to tell you, if you're hungover or you're barely hanging on at all, we got a place for you at Grace Family Church. That's what we believe. See, when Jesus surrendered his life and gave his life to us because he loves you and he loves me, that's why he surrendered his life. No matter what you may believe or not believe about God, God is for you, not against you. You need to believe that about him. We got to continue to keep reaching because we know this, God can redeem anyone. All right. I want to welcome all our Tampa Bay area campuses, those watching on the app, online, Facebook, the Hernando County Women's Correctional Institute, wherever you are. Well, let's give some applause to everybody all around Tampa, all over the world. We're glad that you are with us and uh, glad that you're here. And uh, my name is Matt Roden. I'm a teaching pastor here at Grace Family Church. And some of you may know this, but I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, right? And Music City. Right, so, uh, and what was interesting about working at churches in Nashville is you deal with some singers and some celebrities and stuff like that. And Nashville, a lot like Tampa, full of famous people, a lot of famous people walking around, that kind of stuff. But what's interesting about Nashville is it's even more a place full of people who used to be famous. Right? You deal with that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, what happens is they were famous and then we moved on. They haven't, and, uh, and a lot of people trying to deal with the fact that the spotlight moved, and what can I do to get it back, what can I do to be important again, you know, those kind of questions that kind of come in people's minds. Not everyone deals with that super well, and uh, that's just kind of a fact when you're doing ministry there, that's just kind of a thing you're going to be dealing with, and, um, and as well as probably in a lot of cities. And what was interesting for me, though, I worked with a guy who was a country singer and actually uh, on staff with him, and he had a number one hit in the 90s. Uh, and he was doing pretty good until Garth Brooks happened. Like the country tsunami of Garth came in and like took everything over, and everyone forgot about him, and he went from playing arenas to nightclubs pretty quick. And I asked him, you know, a lot about that, like, you know, what was that like? I'm sure it was awful. I'm sure that was kind of a hard thing for you. And what he said, I never will forget this quote. He says, you know, everyone prepares you for the rise, but no one prepares you for the fall. And what he means is that everyone's there when your star is rising. But when your star starts to fade and fall, everyone's gone. And you're calling people and they're not answering. And it's just kind of that just, that's how it happens. And luckily, my friend had a relationship with Jesus. And so he was able, that, that helped him navigate that, even though it was still very difficult. But what's interesting to me is, is that if you tie who you are to success and recognition, then when success and recognition leaves, you don't know who you are anymore. And I want you to hear me. I'm not putting down success and recognition. Those things are great. If you experience them, that's wonderful. But it is a double-edged sword. Because if you tie who you are to it and then it leaves, you have no idea who you are anymore. You know, and the reason why I bring this up is because so many people listening right now, if you were honest, life has not turned out like you had hoped. And I'm really talking to two different people here. There's people who maybe 
have spent their entire lives preparing for the spotlight, but no one ever prepared you for life after the spotlight. And no, you know, you peaked. Now what? You got 50 more years left to, yet, yet to live? What are you going to do, right? You know, what, what, what do I do now? How do I feel about myself? How do I look at myself now? And, and it's interesting to me because life before success is very certain because there's a goal, but then when you reach it, Life after success is anything but certain. So there's those people who have, you know, maybe felt that success or felt that recognition. But there's a lot of people who, when I say life has not turned out like you expected, they go, yeah, I haven't had that dream happen. Right? When I was five years old, I thought I was going to be the first cowboy astronaut or whatever, right? And that did not happen. You know, the, in fact, none of this stuff has turned out like I've happened. You know, I don't, even, I don't even go back to my high school reunion because I don't even want to know what I'm doing, right? You know, some people, people that's the, kind of their story. It's just kind of, I, I don't know what you're talking about with this whole recognition of success thing. I never had any of that. And none of this has turned out like I had thought it was going to turn out. And the weird thing about that is that when you, everybody wants a life that is significant. But sometimes, we don't talk about it. But sometimes you look at your life and you're haunted by a feeling that it's not that significant. At least it's not as significant as you thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to matter more than this. I thought, I thought things were just going to be, I was going to be more important than this. I don't know. I just, just didn't turn out like I'd hoped. I think that's a real feeling for a lot of people. Here's the weird part. The people who feel insignificant are sitting across the bar from the people who have had success and now feel just as insignificant. So if success and recognition and power and fame and wealth doesn't solve the problem and we're all sitting there being feeling insignificant, then what is it? Because at the end of all of our lives, we just want to know that we mattered. We just want to know that our lives were important, that everything between birth and death meant something, that we don't have a funeral and then everyone forgets. That's what we want. But it's something that kind of, and the reason why it bothers us is that you chase things because of this. You chase achievement because you want to feel good about yourself. We chase approval because I need others to feel good about me. Those are two things that we chase all the time. I, I, I want achievement to help me feel significant, that I'm feeling like I should. And then I want approval because I want other people to feel about me that same way. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were honest, are you chasing achievement or approval in your life? Is, is any of that happening maybe kind of under the radar and you're not maybe noticing it? And if we're not careful, the thing is, when you think about your self-worth, which that's kind of a weird topic, but when you think about your self-worth, who you see out in the mirror, you don't want to see a toxic mix of these two things, meaning this, self-worth equals performance and other people's opinions. It's this sick little equation that how I'm doing must be how well I'm doing and how others think I'm doing, right? It's this performance and other people's opinions. And if your self-worth is between how well I do and how others think I'm doing, that's a dangerous mix. That's a really dangerous mix. It's interesting to me because self-worth is a kind of this feeling and you have to figure out when do you feel the most worth? Because if I'm successful and other people see my success, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. 
But when success fades and people start to forget, how does your self-worth look then? Does it dramatically shift? Does it hit the ground? What happens when you look in the mirror and you have no idea who or what that is? What you think about your life and what you think about where you are. We all want everyone to see us as a success. No one goes around their life saying, I want people to see me as a failure. I really want people to look at me and think F minus, right? No one says that. We want people to see us as a success. That's why social media exists. Because we need people to know that we are great. I'm a great mom. Look at my kids. Do you see how happy they are right now? You know why? Because I'm killing it. I'm a great dad. Look at us playing. We're doing so good. I'm a great friend. Look at all us laughing. You know why we're laughing? Because I'm such a great friend. Look at this. Do you not see this picture? Do you not sense this? I'm such a great boss. Look at my employees smiling. Smile! Like, you know, like, look at them. You know, like, look how happy they are. I'm, do, I'm just killing it. Is everybody seeing me killing it? Right? And that's why. And listen, that's not bad. I, I'm just saying it's human nature. I'm not saying it's wrong or evil. It just is what it is. It, it's, it's who we are as people. I, I want to be good at it, and I want you to see that I'm good at it. No one wants to admit it, but as the famous theologian Lady Gaga once said, we live for the applause, applause, applause. I just want you to, you know, that's where we are. I, 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 you know, it's, it's the way we, and the problem though with applause is it doesn't last very long. The problem with praise is it doesn't stay. Glory, oh the glory days. Remember the good old days, remember the glory days? Yeah, they're gone. All those trophies, they rust. Those things happen. I found this out the hard way. I remember years ago, sometimes when I would preach, um, people would leave nice messages on Facebook back when I was actually on it. And it was interesting to me because <laughs> I would read those. I, I'd get up, you know, Sunday afternoon and read, like, how did it come in? These people just saying these nice things. You start reading it. And you're like, man, I'm gifted. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm pretty good. Look at what this person said. That really changed their life. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right? Oh, someone didn't like it, delete. But look at all these other ones. Look at these, all these other ones. This is so much. And I'm telling you, it was interesting to me because I read that. And, and honestly, it's, it, you start to buy into it until you have this lesson. You move on from that church, and then a new pastor starts preaching. And the same people write the same messages to him. Wait a minute. You used to say that to me. What happened to us? I thought you liked my jokes. Turns out you just like jokes. What happened? All of a sudden I start seeing the same praise go to a different person, and I'm not prom queen anymore. And I start to realize, oh, you almost bought into that, didn't you? And you start to realize we're fickle. And applause has a real quick fade. And when we buy into it, let me tell you, don't read your own press, but certainly don't write it. Is you can get into that. First John 2, 17 says this. It says, the world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. Think about how much stuff we're chasing that isn't going to make it. Think about how much stuff we chase that doesn't last. And it's interesting to me. Recognition doesn't last. Fame doesn't last. Wealth doesn't last. Power doesn't last. It doesn't last. 
But how much time do we spend kind of trying to get there? We spend years and years and years of our life for a moment that, and that's gone. And now what? There's a fable about when Roman generals would win a battle, they would do a victory parade for those generals in the capital, and everyone was clapping, and everyone was shouting, and what they would do is they would put a slave behind the general, and the slave would whisper in his ear the whole time, all glory is fleeting, all glory is fleeting. And it was supposed to be a reminder in that moment that don't base who you are on moments of glory, because there are way more moments when there is no glory. And if this becomes who you think you are, it's going to mess you up. And some of you are like, well, Matt, this is depressing. I mean, can we get to the baby Jesus or something? I mean, Thanksgiving, anything? Do you have any holiday, you know, get in the spirit, Matt, for goodness sake, right? It, the reason why I want to talk about this is because it's very true because we have to face this fact because it's a real danger in our lives. And here's the danger. We may be chasing things that do not matter to feel like we matter. I'm just asking you, maybe is that you in your life right now? Are you chasing something that's, it really doesn't matter to feel like you matter? And, and it's all because we have this fear in our lives a little bit that, that our lives are insignificant or that it's not going to matter, we're not important. So we chase achievement, but the glory fades. And we also chase approval because we all want to be liked and we all want to be loved. How liked do you want to be? So liked that when we do the post, we check to see how many likes. How many people like that? <gasps> Did we get any comments? It's such a good picture of me. I know people are going to love this. I'm going to get so many likes. And then you get on there and you look at all the likes. <gasps> look at how many likes. <gasps> look at this comment. Oh, what a nice comment. Thank you so much. What a great comment. And then that one comes in. That one bad comment. I swear there's like a Grinch for every person on social media that just gets in there and just puts bleh on everybody's page. Just vomits bleh on everybody, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they're all there, bleh. Just kind of little trolls on there waiting to kind of ruin your day. And then you get that one bad comment and you're like, <gasps> 500 great comments, but you lose sleep over that one comment. You do something and that one bad email comes in and you're like, and it's all you can think about. Sure, you got 10, 12, 20 people, all that. That was great. That was great. That was great. But then that one, and you're, and you're up at night. I wonder if I should reply to them. What would I say? I tell them what I would say. I think I'm going to, is it still online? I'm going to delete it. Has somebody commented on that? Has somebody liked their comment? What am I going to do? Right? And, and, you're, and you're up at night over stuff. Let me tell you, if, if what people think ever gets in your head and it starts to sour out your life, Read this verse. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says, the fear of human opinion disables, but trusting in God protects you from that. Man, it's so true. The fear of what other people think of you and your life can absolutely cripple you because what happens is when you start thinking and dwelling about what some person said and when something happened, what happens is it produces a turbulence in you. It kind of bothers you. You're not as confident anymore. You have self-doubt kind of kicking in. You were forward and moving forward kind of happy about it. Now you're kind of, I don't know if I'm ever going to post again. All of a sudden because this self-doubt comes in and it cripples you. And what the Bible says is that the fear of what people think can disable you. 
can disable you. But trusting God protects you from that trap. Because it is a trap. It's hard to get out of. And what I love about this is that God gives us perspective, true perspective. That's what you need. Sometimes when the opinions are rolling in, you get disoriented. I don't know what to think anymore. So-and-so says this and -and so-and-so says that. No, 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 no. And what what God says, look, I'm going to give you the real perspective. Because sometimes you need the big picture to reset you. It reminds me of a time I asked a mentor of mine, I said, what do you do when you get a lot of praise and a lot of criticism, right? And I was telling him, you know, sometimes I'll do a message and people say it's great while some other people growl at me, you know. And I'm like, I, I don't ever know, when you, when you get like a hundred times this and a hundred times that, it's kind of hard to process sometimes. Like, well, was it good or bad? I have no idea. I'm like, how do you process it? And this is what he said, I love this. He goes, well, Matt, you're not as bad as they say you are, but you're not as good as they say you are either. And that has given me perspective. Every time the opinions come in and all the stuff, and, you know, we're all human beings, and you try to, you know, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, but then eventually that one gets on on you, and you're like, ugh, and it gets you. And I have to remember that perspective and go, you know what? It's not as bad as this, but it's not as good as this either. Don't buy into all the praise. Sometimes people are just being nice, right? And that, that gives me perspective. And that's the thing is that God wants to give us that same type of perspective to go, man, when I get disoriented, what can I trust? What's the big picture I can lean on? Let me show you this verse, Ephesians 2, 9 through 10. Here it is. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. Let me just pause right there because that's really important. Because He says, if you think that the whole relationship with God thing is dependent on you being impressive, Don't worry about it. That ain't going to happen. God's not looking down from heaven being like, you know, he should get my seat. I think he's doing pretty good. No. That's not how salvation works. And here's what he says in verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Not a masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's good news for you that you can't impress God because God is impressive enough for the both of us. And for some people who may think that, oh, well, if I, I, the reason why I have a problem with church is I need to get my life together and I need to get everything kind of sorted out before I come to Jesus. And God's up there going, yeah, none of that's going to make any difference. Because you need to come to me because it's my work in your life is what matters. It's not your work in your life. It's my work in your life. And I love this phrase, we are God's masterpiece, because that's one of those things that we just kind of miss it, because it's kind of cliche, and it's very hallmarky. It's like, you're God's masterpiece. It's like, it's like a card, like a $5 bill in it or something, right? And you're like, oh, that's so sweet. What does that mean, right? What does that mean? Because here's the thing, you can miss this. And let me tell you why you'll miss it. If you don't know what this means, you may spend your life trying to make a masterpiece because you don't know that you already are one. You're trying to make it special. I am so special. Look. Look at this. I'm so special. And God's like, we've already covered all that. Why are you spending so much of your life screaming to everyone else how special you are when you already are? And and, and for some of you, what is a masterpiece? You're like, I didn't take art. Help me, Matt. What is that? A masterpiece is very interesting because it's only a masterpiece if it's done by a master artist. That's what makes it a masterpiece. I don't do masterpieces because I'm not a master artist. 
But the thing is, it's a work of a master artist. The most important masterpiece in all the world is Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa. There, let me show a picture of her. The first lady to accidentally shave off her eyebrows. I don't know if that's true. I just, I never understand why she doesn't even, she didn't pencil them in or not. Like, there's no eyebrows on her. And it's bothered me ever since I first saw it. I would never buy it because the eyebrows bother me that much. But you know why? That's the, mo that's the most expensive masterpiece in the world. Currently in 2019, it's worth $830 million. The nation of France thought about recently selling it to settle the national debt. Right? Second highest painting, the, the highest painting ever sold, that painting's never even been sold. The highest painting ever sold was half that much, and it was Da Vinci again. Now, think about this. Why is that worth so much? It's just a picture of a woman looking bored. Right? I mean, why is it so important? Because it's the work of a master. That's why, because Leonardo da Vinci did it, and it's a great example of his work. That's why it's worth so much. It's who did it. That was da Vinci. That was him. That's, his, that's one of the greatest examples of his work. And the reason why I explain that is this. Because people read, I'm God's masterpiece. And it sounds like, you know, footprints in the sand or something, right? It just whatever you know what does that mean let me tell you what it means it means your life is the work of the master i don't know what you think about your life i don't know how successful you think your life has been or how much your life matters but can i tell you that according to god your life is a great example of his work because the way god looks at it he's like yeah i get that you're not you know the most the richest person or the most successful person or there's people higher up and people doing this and making more and doing all this stuff but the way God looks at your life and says think about where you were and think about where you are now did you forget think about everything I had brought you through and the fact that you are alive today that's the work of a master that's not our work. That's not some crazy thing we did. That's the work of the master. And listen, I think about my own life. I'm not a pretty painting up here, I'll be honest, but I will say this. I'm a vivid display of a fact that God can take anyone from anywhere he wants and put them anywhere he wants. God could take some kid with a dysfunctional family in Tennessee and suddenly go, you know what, I'm going to make you a preacher in Tampa. He does what he wants. And let me tell you, I didn't think I'd be here. I probably should have been dead a long time ago. But I'm telling you, when you lean into what God wants to do with your life, you start to recognize his work. You start to recognize that, oh, wow, my life is not a mistake. I am literally one of those people whose mom looked them in the eyes and said, you weren't supposed to be here. It was the worst Mother's Day ever. You can laugh. It's okay. It's all right. Everybody's like, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. You know, I, I don't know. I understood. I wasn't supposed to happen, but that's not what God said because God says, I got things to do. I got work I'm going to do. His life, your life, everybody's life. I'm going to show you the marks of what I can do in a person's life. And here's what I understand about every life is a raw mixture of grace, of love, of struggle, of pain. And every one of us are a walking canvas that the world experiences. So please understand that your significance is not in the corporate ladder. And your significance is not in the social ladder. Your significance is not in the opinions of other people. Your significance is in the marks of the master. 
Your significance is looking at your life and getting perspective and realize, wow, I have come too far to look in the mirror and hate what I'm looking at. There's too much there. My life has value because my life is the work of the master. And how I perform doesn't change that. Your opinion doesn't change that. I succeed, it doesn't change that. I fail, it doesn't change that. People's opinions are here. Doesn't change that. People's opinions are here. Doesn't change that. Nothing, no one in this world determines that. Because at the end of the day, here's perspective. I am all he says I am. I'm not some of who he says I am. I'm all he says I am. I want to show you this verse, 1 Peter 3. But I'm actually going to scroll down because I got a little greedy and put too much in there. So let's go down to verses 6 and 7 where it starts with pure gold. Are you with me so far? All right, here we go. And I'm going to throw off everybody in the tech booth too. They're all panicking right now. Anyway, uh, so let me start with pure gold. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine when jesus wraps this all up meaning the end of everything the end of history time stops everything's over ball game it's your faith not your gold that god will have on display as evidence of his victory let me say that again because this is one of the, again, those verses you read of and go, that is so special and sweet and we miss it. The Bible says strictly this, when life is over, when you close your eyes in the presence of people, when you open your eyes in the presence of God, what is going to matter is not the gold. What's going to matter is the fire. Everything that you've been through. And what's going to be interesting is all that pain and rejection and feeling forgotten is going to be forgotten. Everything that you've accumulated doesn't cross the line and goes to your kids who are going to spend it so fast you won't even know what happened to it. It's all not going to cross the line into eternity. In the end, it's you standing before God. And what has defined you is all that will remain. Let me explain this to you. Who you are is never found in the gold, but in the fire. And let me explain that, because it's not in the gold. All the stuff we accumulate, all the status, all the, all the wealth and the recognition and the fame and all the, oh, people know me and people know, no, 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 no. None of that matters in the end. It, what, all that matters is what you've been through and how it has shaped you and defined you. It is the fire of life that God has put you through to purify. And I don't know if you know anything about fire, but when fire burns something, it purifies it down to its basic. And this is what's so true about us. So much of life has boiled us down to what's really important. How many times were you chasing something and then something happened unexpected and then you're reminded of what's really important in life? How many times are you driving down this road that everybody drives down the good old-fashioned American dream only to realize this is not what's most important? Because money burns, success fades, glory in the end. It's me before God and how he has shaped me and how he has defined me. It is my faith, not my gold, that will remain in the end.
What is the fire that you've been through? Are there tragedies that you had to endure in your life? Were there miracles that happened in your life that you casually call a family? Have there been struggles? Has there been challenges? Has there been emotional times? Has there been pits of despair that you crawled out of? Think about everything that you've been through and remember that the fact that you are alive is not because of anything you've done. The fact that you are alive is because of the work of God in your life and the work of God is all that will remain. Think about that. And see, the reason why I bring this up is because I bring this up and you go, that's so great, I'm going to make a shirt. No, don't make a shirt. Just don't do this. Don't chase achievement because you don't feel like you've achieved anything. You know why you feel we chase achievement? Because you forget what God has already achieved in you. We forget. Don't chase approval because I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. You are fully loved and you are fully accepted by your heavenly father who wants you to call him father for the simple fact that it reminds you that you're his kid. That that's how much he loves you, that you are his trophy. You are a walking trophy of the success of God. You are a walking victory. I am telling you that you are not just a masterpiece. You are a victory because who you are is not found in things that don't matter. You're valuable because you bear the mark of victory. You bear the mark of I went through it, I've been through it, and I'm still alive, and I'm still here, and I'm all that he says I am, and that is all that will remain when all is said and done. That's all that's going to be left. Man, I hope that encourages you that if your faith is all that's going to remain in the end, I hope your faith is strengthened. I hope you're not entangled and caught up in so many things that don't matter. And if you are, I pray you just pull them aside and go, you know what, I'm just tired of chasing stuff that doesn't matter. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of doing that. I've got to look in the mirror one more time and reclaim the big picture of my life. And I pray that some of you reclaim the true perspective. That I am all he says I am. And I am his victory. And I am his and, and all the clapping and all the applause in the world isn't going to matter when I go back to the arms of my father who has led me through everything I've been through until now. I hope what I want us to do in these next moments is to regain perspective. To regain perspective of your life, of you, and your situation. To see the big picture again. To reclaim and proclaim who you are in Christ. To throw off all the things that you're chasing and to put your hands up and say, I am all he says I am. So what we're going to do is this. Before we dismiss, we're going to worship one more time. Now, what I said there is we're not going to leave early. We're going to worship one more time. And if you leave early, I, I pray you get the hives. <laughs> pray you're itching all week because you didn't listen. No, let me tell you why we're going to do this. I want us to sing all he says I am. I want us to proclaim it. I don't want you just to sing it. You're like, oh, this is a good song. It's catchy. No, 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 no. I want you to speak it out loud 
over your life to regain perspective of, man, I'm chasing so much stuff that doesn't matter. I am so worried about so much stuff that doesn't matter. I have so much anxiety over stuff that is not going to matter. I let so many things bother me, but at the end of the day, God help me to see me the way you see me. Because that's all that's going to matter in the end. So let's stand together at all of our campuses. And then I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing our guts out and just proclaim truth over our lives. So God, we just come to you right now. So many of us, we've gotten so caught up in what's success and what is important and, and, and what matters and all these type of things. But Father, we forget to see ourselves the way you see us. That we, are, we already are victory. That we already are important. We already matter. There is success already in our lives. Maybe not by the world standards, but the world standards change every day and they fade every day. And God, I just pray, I want to reset myself. I want to look in the mirror and proclaim, I am all that you say that I am. God, give me perspective now. Give me perspective every day. Help us to not only see the victory, but to see ourselves as victory and shout it over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.